I hope you have a zippity-doo-dah day. Hey, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes. I'm Elliot. And I'm Audrey. And this is the podcast where we ignore the very good conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes and instead get to know who they really were. Yes. Usually they're racist, sexist. Generally. Generally bizarre. Yeah, strange. Just there's a lot we don't know behind the silver polish of Hollywood. Yes, putting a clean veneer over the history you thought you knew. Yes. (laughs) Speaking of clean veneers, Mm -hmm. we have an update. Oh. We have an update on the cleanest, most veneeriest, happiest place on earth. Not venereal, veneeriest. I'm not sure there's any, like, variation of that word that makes sense there. Disneyland. We're talking about Disneyland, yes. There we go. Uh, So, thanks to our tireless efforts about doing a podcast uh, about Walt Disney himself. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, remind the listeners, if you would. Sure. So um, this is a time of great reckoning in our country. We've waited a long time for this moment to come. Well, and I feel like it comes in fits and starts. I hate it feels almost too like triumphant to say like this moment, but like a lot of progress. Yes, we're not at the finish line. We're first step, not last step. But at at this very first step, there were some uh, there have been some, I would say, probably necessary, but also kind of cosmetic changes that corporations have tried to make. Um, But one of those very big cosmetic changes has to do with Splash Mountain. Yes. Wait, Space Mountain or Splash Mountain? It's Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain. Yeah. The the log ride into the water. So listeners who listen to the Walt Disney episode will hear, well, no, uh, there is this element of the section of Splash Mountain that was themed, maybe it was a whole ride. The, the whole ride. The yeah. Song of the South. Yes. Which is this incredibly racist early film that Walt Disney did and like knew was racist and like almost got the NAACP to like weigh in on and check it. And he's like, nah, forget it. Do it right. anyway. Well, okay. So not according to some stuffed rabbit on the <laughs> internet who wanted to tell us that it's well, actually not very racist. Yes. Okay, so so the, the aside here is that we did this piece on Walt Disney, mentioned the incredibly racist history behind this ride and, and then, the film behind this ride. And then at the same time, this had literally nothing to do with our podcast. At the same time, there were petitions to change Splash Mountain from Song of the South, which is racist, to Princess and the Frog, the first black Disney princess. Well, and you say nothing to do with our podcast, but I just would like to take this moment to take complete credit for everybody's work Mm -hmm. and just claim victory here. Right. Uh, But while we were calling attention to this... Yes, this was happening at the same time. On social media, we we found ourselves with some enemies. We did. And one of those enemies was a grown adult, uh, assuming, <laughs> presumably. assuming, yeah, presumably. Somebody who's old enough to have a Twitter account. Uh, Instagram, but yes. Oh, Instagram. Okay. So you have to be 13. And honestly, I don't know which is worse. If you go back and look at this, <laughs> if it's a grown adult or like a child arguing with us that this 40s cartoon really 40s cartoon needs to be racist. the theme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this adult pretending to be the character Br'er Rabbit as a stuffed animal. From Song of the South? From Song of the South has their own Instagram account. This rabbit, the stuffed rabbit. Where they take pictures around Disneyland. Of this rabbit. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I hope you have a zippity doo day. And they just, they're like in it. And they wanted to argue that 
it wasn't racist. We were wrong. It was actually progressive and we know nothing. And I just am not here for that. So Yeah, we are going to call this a victory for the mm-hmm. podcast and tell Br'er Rabbit to suck it. We have enemies. We have enemies now. And you know what? We're on the right side of history. Rabbits are not. <laughs> right. right. So anyway, so that's update number one. Yes. Update number two. So update number two, incredible coincidence. Cannot believe After it. last week's episode, would you believe... We did one on Alexander Alexander Hamilton, and then Disney released a whole video of Alexander (laughs) Hamilton. I I mean, it's just like cosmic timing. Yeah, what do you know? What do you know? We definitely did not plan that so that we could... Piggyback on the multi-million dollar social media marketing effort. Right. It worked. Yeah. We like doubled our listenership for the week. Welcome new listeners. Yeah. Hello, hello. Um, So anyway, pretty exciting times. Yeah. So who is this week's hero? Well, speaking of exciting times in Hollywood, we are going to talk about Marlon Brando. Oh, big Hollywood cultural icon. This episode has the usual caveat that it's not comprehensive. There's a whole lot we had to leave out. But it also has a really interesting caveat that Marlon Brando is not like our other heroes in that... He wasn't, like, institutionally racist. There's always the argument, like, do you benefit from institutional racism? Yes, 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 sure. yes, yes. But, like... He's not J. Edgar Hoover. He's not explicitly, outwardly, vocally racist in right. a way that many of our characters, like, right. make no doubt about. Yes. And he's more, like, uh, his scandals are more that he's surprising and bizarre and, you know, he was kind of a dick. Okay, <laughs> like, sure, sure, We're sure. We're going to find out. He's not perfect, um, but kind of the whole crux of this podcast. Um, But he was also surprisingly difficult to research because Mm. he was notoriously introverted and reclusive. And really a lot of his life didn't come to light until after his death when like 200 hours of audio tape that he had recorded were made available to a filmmaker who released a a movie in 2017. But Oh, fairly recently. Yeah, if you Google like Marlon Brando... You get the headlines are basically like Wikipedia and then 16 bizarre facts you never knew about Marlon Brando. And it's just that after that after that. And they're all the same facts <laughs> and they're not new. Um, and so this one was hard. I had to dig around and like wow, that's watch what, and listen to some stuff. That's what we're doing. We're actually doing a, a little bit of actual effort to bring mm-hmm. you the real story of who Marlon Brando was. Right. This is not pulled from the listicles. This is deep diving into wikipedia so (laughs) (laughs) what do you know about marlon brando what do i know about marlon brando so i know marlon brando is an actor had a bunch of very famous roles so i know he uh did the famous uh stanley stella yell in Mm -hmm. streetcar named desire uh i know he was famously the godfather in Mm -hmm. the godfather and the godfather too Mm-hmm. And uh, he did other stuff like uh, Apocalypse Now and like all these famous film roles. Seems like an intense guy, but that's, I mean, that's basically it. All right. Well, did you know that he was born on April 3rd, 1924? I did not. <laughs> Do you know what that makes him? Human, just like all of us. And, and Aries. So. Audrey's Astrology Hour. As an Aries, born on April 3rd, this person was known to be tough-minded, courageous, action-oriented, and in many cases, brash. 
while a lot of people may consider brashness a negative personality trait, a person, this person definitely has a way of turning it into their favor. When other people are intimidated by a situation or another person, uh, an Aries born on April 3rd steps up to the plate while they may not be the smartest person in the room. Sorry to all of our listeners born on April 3rd. Might be April 3rd specifically what year? Uh, 1924, but yeah, it's, if, it's just the date. Well, okay. But or the you, date, not We'll just the, say if you were born April 3rd, sure. not 1924, then not the smartest part does not apply to you. Right. Um, so while they're not exactly the smartest person in the room by any stretch of the imagination, they have the courage that people are looking for. Um, I just want to say, it sounds like it could be accurate. If you are born on April, what is it, 23rd? Third. April 3rd, <laughs> and you are offended by the horoscope, then perhaps you are maybe not the smartest because you're offended by the horoscope, which is... Rude. So, <laughs> Rude. Come on. Just let me have some joy. <laughs> Give me one moment. Okay. Okay, so April 3rd, Omaha, Nebraska. Dad sold and made pesticides. Mom was, quote, unconventional for the time. She smoked, she wore pants, she was an actress, and a raging alcoholic. I mean, that sounds sounds like it fits. Wait, so dad's making pet? How do you make pesticides? Chemicals. Ke- yeah, chemicals, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I, I don't think I would go so far as to say that he was like a chemical engineer. Yeah. Um, but okay. maybe you could go so he's far a, as to say. He's a chemical experimenter, at least. <laughs> sure. Okay, and so mom is... is Doing her best to make it as an actress in Omaha, Nebraska? Uh, no longer. Uh, I but see. Yeah, not really yes. holding out for that big break anymore. No. Kind of tumultuous childhood. So his father, he later would describe as tyrannical and abusive. He could never do anything, like, enough to please his father, even up through his father's death. It's a big sticking point that sort of... Sort of shows up thematically over and over again in his life. Um, and his parents had this very hot and cold relationship. They separated a few times, got back together, moved across the country. It was just not the most stable environment. That sort of mix of instability, never being good enough, absent, alcoholic parents. It's not like the best mixture for... But he somehow managed to overcome and be a totally normally well-adjusted person. <laughs> he channeled that. Channeled, channeled the unrest. Okay. For the next decade, seven decades, you know, he lived to be 80, but from when he started acting until his death, he channeled that pain. From whenever he was old enough to ask for mm-hmm. hugs he didn't get until he died. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, he was not a super bright child. This comes up over and over again. Well, I mean, if your dad's line of work is just like organic chemicals that could potentially <laughs> make you dumber, I'm not super stunned. So he... It's like saying like, oh, your dad was a lead-based painter. <laughs> oh, no. Like, come on. He was really, really good, though, at observing other people. So in the vein of like asking for hugs, wanting approval, he was very good at sort of mimicking what he saw his parents give affection and time to. He developed that sort of study and observation of other people. This is my impression of Jin. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you're just coming in hot today. (laughs) So rude. He was held back a year in school and then expelled 
for riding a motorcycle through the school. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I like this style already. Sent to military school where he was also expelled. Oh, wow. What do you do to get expelled from military school? He was insubordinate. And so then he was put on probation, snuck into town. He got caught and they were like, you're out. All the other students basically campaigned to get him back into school. They were like, this is too harsh a punishment. That's fucking motorcycle dude, right? (laughs) The fun one. They offered him a spot back in school the next year. At this point, he was like 16 and he was like, no. And he just dropped out. He like dug ditches. too cool for school. Too cool for school. Uh, Worked in construction. And then by the time he was like old enough around the graduation age, 18 or so, he decided to move to New York. He had a sister who was pursuing acting there, another one in art school. How many siblings did he have? Just two sisters. Okay. And But they he, made it off the farm too. They did. They did. Yeah. Uh, oh, they, sorry, they, they made it off the pesticide experimental lab. <laughs> in, it's in their pedigree. Their mother was an actress. Got it. Got it. Got right? it. He wanted to pursue acting and it was the only thing he ever remembered enjoying and being good at. So he was like, I was in a few plays, liked it. My sisters were there. Why not? Moves to New York City. Had a City. few minutes to pretend to be somebody that wasn't himself. There. That's... You're not wrong. He goes to New York City. He's kind of like ambles about for a few months, but then winds up uh, at this theater school with Stella Adler. Have you ever heard of Stella Adler? Uh, yeah. I think I've heard references uh, like on TV shows. I'm assuming it's an acting coach. She's an acting coach, uh, former actress. She was paramount to introducing the Stanislavski system to actors oh, in yeah. New York. Is it, did they mention uh, her on Marvelous Miss Maisel? They might have. I think I think that's right. where we heard it. Anyway, it seems like a, a, about the right time and definitely the right place. Yes. So the it's important to know that this is a school of theater that he comes from because he's often lumped in with method actors and he hated that. Oh. Because he hated Lee Strasberg. Strasberg? Strasberg? Yeah. He, uh, Strasberg would routinely take credit for Brando. Brando. Wait, so, okay, so for our listeners, let me see if I can remember what this means. Method acting is when you put yourself in the mindset where, like, you are the character you're playing and you basically stay in that for a really long time. Mm -hmm. You don't, like, in between takes, you're not, like, going back to being your normal self and jumping in and out. You, like, stay that character for, like, a, you know, maybe days on end. Like, um, a big example of this was uh, Daniel Lee Lewis is like this. Sure. He when he did a uh, there will be blood. Okay. He, he like it's this movie about you know oil barons in the mm-hmm. old out west. He wouldn't sleep in the trailer. He would like sleep in a tent outside to like be a method actor. The way that Stanislav the Stanislavski system is different is that it's a systematic approach to uh, cultivate the art of experiencing. And so instead of saying to an actor, you are going to be this other person and live for prolonged periods of time as this other person. What it does is it sort of like mobilizes the actor's consciousness in order to activate sort of like the lesser controllable psychological processes, like emotional experiences and subconscious behavior. So they're still like drawing on the emotional experience trying to be in this role, but they're drawing from their own personal experience. For example, in rehearsal, this this is pulled from research around this, um, in rehearsal, the actor would search for inner motives to justify action and uh, figure out what the character seeks to achieve. 
but then draw from their own personal experience where there's overlap instead of trying to just be that other character. Okay. So if you're like, this person really wants to get out of the house. Right. You're like, when did I ever want to get out of the house? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, And there are, and Marlon Brando was really, really good at this. So if you think about the role that sort of shot him to fame, right? Uh, Stanley in Streetcar Named Desire. He is an alcoholic abuser who is like <laughs> desperately okay. like trying to win back the affection of his love interest. He's been researching this role for a long time. His whole life. Yep. He um, plays his dad, essentially. Exactly. Okay. But there are early stories of how natural uh, Brando was as an actor. And one of the most famous anecdotes, I love this story. I think this is hysterical. I would find this hysterical if this happened in real life. He was in the school with Adler and others. And she said to the class, act like chickens. So they're acting like chickens. And then she added, now act like a nuclear bomb is about to fall on you. And so like most of the class then is like clucking and running around wildly. And then Brando just like sat down calmly and pretended to lay an egg. And so Adler was like, why did you react this way? And he said, I'm a chicken. What do I know about bombs? (laughs) (laughs) I just find that that to me is just primo, primo content. I like this. 1944, he's 20. He's acting, doing some shows. um, And he makes it very quickly to Broadway. Just like stumbles into this. He doesn't stumble into it. He's in a number of shows. He's actually kicked out of a number of shows (laughs) Okay, (laughs) for his insubordination. Again, like he just does not deal well with authority. uh, Notably, he was in a production of Cats where he rode a motorcycle (laughs) through the stage and just they could not deal with it. So he has a series of being kicked out of plays for being insubordinate. He's also drafted around this time and he goes like he shows up reports for duty and he was like no i have a really big problem with authority and i will probably actually be more trouble for you than i'm worth as a soldier <laughs> can you say that at the draft <laughs> i guess and so like if he's that upfront about it and so the doctor's like your trick knees bad enough you don't have to serve <laughs> imagine somebody being like okay you're drafted to go war and you're like i got a bad attitude and you're like, <laughs> yes. all right trust you on that one <laughs> Right. So he didn't get drafted. He ends I have to remember that for World War Three. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof, too soon. Um so he ends up on Broadway in a little show called A Streetcar Named Desire. He does this for two years. After two years he leaves to go to Hollywood to make the film. Okay, so he's like on Broadway for like doing an extended run of the show and people are loving it. And he's like, Okay, They're cool, loving I'm it. a star now. Lots of people think he leaves it for financial reasons, like he's going to go to Hollywood, make a bunch of money. He actually left it because he was having a nervous breakdown, playing an alcoholic abuser hmm. six times a week. Who would imagine? Right. He said it was too painful to relive that trauma every single day, bring his audience into it and like tap into that emotion. And so he was like, I'm done. I'll do it one more time for the movie screen, but no more on Broadway. Makes the movie skyrockets him to fame. Yeah. Turns out movie adaptations of Broadway plays 
tend to do pretty well. <laughs> what do you know? We should have more of those. We, Honestly, we, the fact here's uh, so I am really pissed. The one thing I'm most pissed about is mm-hmm. that there's no good way to watch a video of the Book of Mormon. I've never seen it, mm. but it's the South Park guys did a musical, and I listened to the music, and it was so fucking funny. Oh my god, <laughs> the music itself made me want to see the show, and and people don't film these anymore. Like if you don't go right. and see it, and now what are we gonna do? Nobody's going to any fucking shows anymore. Anyway. Petition, start a Book of Mormon. Anyway, he makes a movie. Rockets a success. Yep. Because what do you know that works? He's young. He's talented. He is like this super sex symbol for the time. Shortly after that- Wait, is he, is he already like, it's, he's just known as a, he's a hunk of a, of a dude at this point? Yeah. I mean, Streetcar Named Desire puts him on like the front page. He makes two other movies shortly thereafter, uh, Viva Zapata and Julius Caesar, and- those like solidify it, right? He plays uh, Mark Antony and Julius Caesar Ooh. around that time. But his talent was, people described it as like enigmatic and hard to manage. If you mm. could imagine, his his performances were like hit or miss for a lot of critics. So they were commercially very successful, but because he didn't sort of have this like predictable set of fundamentals as an actor he was like living in the moment improvising a lot sometimes he would have people he would have his lines written on a cue card so like far enough away that he like struggled to read it so it would look like he was like Like squinting and like heart in the moment thinking through yes (laughs) and people were just like what the fuck is dude yeah right it's funny that like he's like gets a reputation as being hard to work with when like motherfucker was too difficult to manage for the army. Like can you imagine <laughs> being a director being like, could you do that a little bit differently? He's just like, no. No. Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh, like Yeah, you joke. <laughs> no. Just wait. This this starts when he's young and it really snowballs okay. into being unmanageable. Okay. I imagine if you're difficult as a teenager and you get super successful for being about as unmanageable as you already are. <laughs> like you just like start to really ride that one out. Yes. It's nineteen fifty four now. He's been in the the business for ten years. Jumping ahead a bit. He's filming on the waterfront, which is you know, he a has movie. like five movies that he's super, super famous for. On the waterfront is up there with them. Okay. I've never seen it. I haven't seen it either. Comes up over and over again. I've seen a lot of movies. I haven't seen that one. He got paid what was considered just like an astronomical amount for an actor at the time. Hundred thousand dollars. Which in today's money uh a million dollars. Nine hundred and fifty thousand. We always just like generally as our standard guess, we have no idea what the uh, what the rate with the interest and inflation would be. We would just say like a million dollars. It actually was a million dollars. It's like a million dollars. But that yep. was an exorbitant amount of money. A million yes. dollars in today's money would be like nothing. Yeah. But it was crazy for the time. Yes. Okay, got it. Right. Um as you were sharing with our kid earlier, inflation is a son of a bitch. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Man. Okay, so around the same time he has started up an affair. So he get he's been married. Oh, he's I missed the whole marriage. We're gonna get to the marriage in a second, but the on the waterfront timeline, he starts up an affair with uh, Rita Moreno, uh, okay. West Side Story. Oh yeah, yeah, West Side Story. Right? Yeah, um, and she talks about in her memoir that she became pregnant, and this did not go over well with Brando, mm. who had a number of other love interests around the time. Okay. And it's 1954. It's illegal to get an abortion. He forces her to have one anyway. And it's botched. Oh. Which is what happens when abortion is illegal. Yes. People don't stop having them. They just become dangerous. 
after that happened, she becomes just super depressed, really anxious, uh, suicidal, tries to die by suicide by taking a bunch of his sleeping pills. I mention all this just to demonstrate that there's like a bit of chaos happening in the background. So these are stories that wouldn't have been public. To None of this came out till recently. Until recently, right? And so he's this A-list movie star, top of his game, making a ton of money and is just self-destructing in the background. Yeah. Burn it to the ground. So actually, I misspoke. He did not marry his first wife till 1957. But his affair with Rita lasted 10 years. Oh, so it so started it went, before it the marriage. It started before and continued to He's after. having the affair and then he decides to get married in the middle of it? He decides to get married um, a bunch of times in the middle of his ongoing <laughs> oh, love affair. Okay. <laughs> Wait, and it keeps going after he asked her to get this botched abortion? Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. So in 1957, he marries his first wife. He does not stop sleeping with other people. But he and his first wife uh, have a son. His name is Christian Devi, and he goes by Devi. Devi and Marlon have a difficult relationship throughout I imagine, his childhood. Yeah, he's got like some uh, slightly unresolved issues being a father. Yeah, but within two years, uh, or within a year and a half of that first marriage, it's over. Gets divorced. Within a year of his first divorce, he's married to a second wife. Within two years of being married to his second wife, he has already started seducing the 19-year-old who will go on to be his third wife. Wow. 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 Right? It's like he's got got a lot to accomplish. So there's this pattern. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He was sort of known as a playboy and a philanderer. And one biographer actually attributed this to his difficult childhood. Um, He said, quote, His doomed romances were a direct consequence of an abandonment complex relating to his mother. Rather than wait for the inevitable departure of his girlfriends, Brando would run a sledgehammer through the relationship himself. Metaphorically, I hope. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, he was not physically abusive, as far as I could tell, um, but he was quite the asshole. He himself said... I would probe and test women to find their breaking point, at which they would tell a lie and show weakness. He very clearly had these destructive relationships (laughs) with women. His relationships, for the most part, this is not like like an Elvis pattern where it's mostly teenage girls. Yeah. For the most part, they were adults. But he did have a relationship with Jackie Collins in the 50s. When Brando was about 29 and she was 15. Oh, yikes. So that sucks. Yeah, that sucks a lot. Yeah. So let's just let's just emphasize how wrong and terrible that that was, how gross and unacceptable it is for a third near 30 year old to date a 15 year old. Like I mentioned earlier, there were those 200 hours of tapes that came out after his death. Uh, And in those, a lot was revealed about his relationships. And he talked about how his sex drive at the peak of his fame and then throughout much of his life made him, quote, a beast. He had women coming in the front door while others were leaving through windows, which is like, okay, cool. Sure. Do your your thing. Maybe not while you're married. Unless that's part of the, <laughs> the agreement. So I feel like uh, a lot of people got more than they signed up for in sure. these relationships. Yeah. Given the number of divorces, it feels like this was not consensual non-monogamy. Yeah. There's this story 
that has nothing to do with him being gross or terrible, but it is horrifying in the most scandalous way. And so I have to share it. So do you know Heidi Fleiss? I don't think so. Okay. She was a high-end madam for sex workers in New York City in the 80s and 90s. Super famous, ended up going to jail, whole big deal. But anyway, a week before she went to jail, she and and, uh, Marlon hooked up. And she said, Marlon was without a doubt the sexiest, fattest man I've ever slept with. (laughs) I went to his house a week before I was jailed and had the most exhausting, satisfying eight hours of my life. The only thing slightly off-putting was he had this strange habit of munching on grapes the whole time. (laughs) Wait. What? Yeah, the sex part doesn't bother me at all. If someone is eating grapes for eight hours. (laughs) Chewing in your ear. (gasps) Oh, what a nightmare. What a nightmare. Wow. The, the, just the sexiest, fattest man is, that's a mental image right there. There you go. It was, he was later in his life. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But repeatedly, the women who he had relations with over and over and over again, uh, Rita Moreno, other people who like wrote about him in their memoirs, autobiographies, talked about him being like the best lover they've ever been with. So there you go. Uh, One of the things a lot of people don't know, and I did not know this, was that uh, Brando was bisexual. Oh, I did not know that. He was romantically and or sexually involved, kind of like openly-ish, with a number of people. One of the more famous people he's been linked to is like Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor's wife talked about uh, the relationship that he and Brando had. Richard Pryor's daughter later went on to say, like, that wasn't true, but eh, I I don't know. Yeah, Um, does your daughter know? Uh, It's interesting. Uh, There are other very famous folks. I don't want to speculate about who he had sex with and who he didn't. Not a lot of people have gone on the record, I take it. Right. But he did say, quote, like a large number of men, I've had homosexual relationships and I'm not ashamed. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, nobody's going to be questioning his uh, his manliness, right? So even if you have this, like, toxic masculine conception of, like, who you are, like, he checks all your boxes either way. <laughs> He's like, fuck you. I don't right. care. Doesn't give a shit. In fact, he actually doesn't care about most people. He doesn't care about world. anybody. The women he's with, the men he's with, anybody's None. feelings. None. None. Mm-mm. The directors he's with, the army. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> okay. So here we are. We're back in the 1960s. Throughout the 60s, he continues to act, uh, but he was becoming increasingly disillusioned by the concept of acting. He actually like really hated it and grew to resent it, but mm. needed it. He For the money? Yeah, yeah. for the money. Join um, the club. <laughs> he said that, quote, most people want their name in papers. They like the attention. Very often I'm struck with the illusion of success. It's difficult when you meet people because they've prejudged you not to be treated normally. To have people staring at you like an animal in a zoo, what it does is remove you from reality. Oh, and it removed him from reality real fucking quick. Oh, wait, this is not self-awareness that prevented him from being sucked into this. Mm -mm. Okay, got it. Yeah. He had to keep acting because he had a similar relationship to money that he had with most things in his life. (laughs) 
reckless and destructive. Okay, okay. He was not a big spender. It's not like he was like buying flashy homes, etc. But he did have three divorces. Okay. By then, he had five children. Okay, yeah, it's too many kids already. Bunch of legal bills from all the divorces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also the $40,000 he had to pay a paparazzo after he broke his jaw. Okay, yeah, that <laughs> those legal bills, just a... $40,000 here, $40,000 there. Pretty soon talking about real money. <laughs> yeah, no. Also, like our man Gauguin, this motherfucker bought a Tahitian island. Well, he bought a Tahitian he island? He sure did. Wow, okay. So that's high ticket item. Right. So he hates acting. He's broke as fuck, so he has to do it. Wait, so so he just he goes to the, he just live on the island? He does. Okay. He he has a home in like Hollywood or whatever and then Tahitian Island there. Um and now it's actually been sold and turned into a resort called the Brando. He had n- basically no commercial success from 1963 to 1971. It is in essence nearly 20 movies that were just like flop after flop after flop after flop. And this is like the stage where he's like Famous and resenting it and just like Yeah, he's in his thirties and forties. Okay. Needs the money, does a little bit of directing, bankrupts like all the productions (laughs) that he's on. (laughs) He's so difficult to work with that and he costs production so much money that he gets offered like less and less sort of audacious roles. Yeah, because I imagine if you've got like a hundred crew people like ready to go and you're fucking late to set, you're still paying everybody. Like if you're unpredictable about whether you're going to show up for work that day, you're just going to be like a money pit. And if the director doesn't know whether or not you've actually learned your lines or you are dead set on improvising an entire movie. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. He was just like, no, I will be this character. I am this character. Oh, wait, wait. wait. (laughs) You would like, so one of the ways. What are are some of these movies now? Well, we'll get to it. But one of them is The Island of Dr. Moreau. Do you know about this movie? I've heard that name before, but I don't know anything about it. It's a wild ride, and it's coming. Okay. So stick around, folks. We're going <laughs> to get there. By 1970, he's desperate for money. He has no money, and nobody will hire him. His luck turned around in 1972. Do you know what came out in 72? I do not. The Godfather. Ah, uh, The Godfather. Right. He almost didn't get the role, though. Surprise, surprise. Because he had lost the studio paramount so much money with all of his flops and because nobody wanted to work with him co-worker like uh, other actors nobody there's this infamous story of his this battle he has with frank sinatra for a role in guys and dolls where brando turns it down and then comes back after it's been offered to sinatra and is like oh i want that role so he gets the role and they give sinatra a different role and there's a scene in the movie where Sinatra is supposed to eat a few bites of cheesecake and Brando kept intentionally messing up the lines so they had to retake it and Sinatra had to eat nine pieces of cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, he's petty. What a petty and motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> and also like mean, like mean. People don't want to work with him. He only gets a role because he had, there were like three stipulations but two very important ones. The first was that he would have to take a fee that was far less than his typical fee. And the second is he'd have to agree to accept financial responsibility for any production delays that his behavior cost. Oh, so like if he doesn't show up, he starts paying for it. Yep. So he took the role for $50,000. But in the contract, he was given a percentage of the gross on a sliding scale. 
that's standard for a lot of folks. Yeah. One percent of the gross for each 10 million and over 10 million up to five percent if the picture exceeded 60 million. Right. But he was so broke that before the movie even made it to theaters, he sold back those points in the picture for a hundred thousand dollars. Do you know how much he would have made if he had not sold back those points? I mean, I know it was a huge success, obviously. Um, millions, ten eleven million dollars. Yeah, maybe not the businessman that he could have been. Yeah, not the mogul, not the mogul approach. And so, up until now, he's just been difficult, right? He's kind of not the coworker you would want. But in this next film, he does some pretty terrible, controversial things. And this movie itself is very controversial because it is explicit and sexual and sort of edgy for the time. But he also grossly violated boundaries of uh, a woman on set. Want to give a content warning that I'm going to talk about rape and sexual assault for just a couple minutes. So this movie, it's called The Last Tango in Paris. Have you ever seen it? I have never seen it. Okay. Like I said scandalous a widower begins this anonymous affair with a 19 year old he's like he's like in his 50s at this point Mm -hmm. or something okay so it's not him got it he's what it's not him he's not the 19 year old no the woman is 19 sorry to be clear he's the widower oh he is the widower he's the widower got it yes and his and and the the issue is not like that this movie has sex in it like mm, neat it's that there's a scene in the movie that was not scripted And they did not tell the female actress about it until right before they shot it. And it is a sexually coercive scene that borders on assault. And she talks about it being humiliating. Marlon Brando's character, Paul, in the movie, rapes Maria Schneider's character, Jean. And he, this is like the most famous part of it. He used, it's, he anally rapes her using a stick of butter as lubricant. In a 2007 interview, Schneider said the scene was not in the script and that it was, although intended to be violent and disturbing, with Paul hitting Jean and assaulting her as she cries, Schneider made clear that the feelings that you see on screen, the violation are not and humiliation are not acting, and that she felt like she was actually being assaulted on set. Marlon and the director, quote, sprung the butter detail on Schneider because they wanted the on-screen humiliation and rage to be real. Oh, that's shitty. Doesn't that suck? Yeah. Like, everybody's going to act, but you just get to be assaulted on camera and we want to film it. It caused her to have, like, rightfully so, a... um, significant mental health issues. Her career suffered as as, as a result of it. And Brando was just, like... That's art. That's how you make art. You you don't act. You feel. She was like, no, uh, I felt like you actually were raping me on camera. Lots of conversation has happened about that um, since the Me Too uh, moment started. But it has been overlooked by a lot of folks as sort of not as serious an allegation as it probably should have been taken. Yeah, especially because... He, again, right, like, held the privilege to decide what he was going to know, like, plan for it, yes. prepare himself. Right. And then just, like, subjected her 
Right. To this violence in the moment. Two powerful men making this decision for this 19-year-old actress because they wanted, they they literally explicitly wanted to capture her fear and humiliation. They wanted to capture the trauma on film. Right. And if you are an actor and you're within your agency to like channel your own trauma, that's one thing. But to violate others is just huge boundary crossed. 1973, Marlon Brando's childhood best friend dies. So, right, he was famous. He had this terrible decade. He's starting to, like, be on the up and up again, and then his best friend dies. And grief does some, like, very strange things to a person, but this sort of, like, overwhelmed Brando. He took uh, Wally Cox, his friend, his pajamas, and he slept in them and wore them around for a very long time and then he stole his ashes from wally cox's widow wait stole the ashes? yeah like there's uh it was described as like wrenching them from her arms oh like, not like broke like, into the house took like them ripped them from her hands yes and she said i think marlon needs the ashes more than i do things don't really pick up from there over the next few decades he made a number of movies like he did, right? Some were commercially or critically successful, but very few. And he starts to act, if you can believe this, increasingly bizarre on sets. Where do we go from here? I know. Also, sort of in the background, just so folks can keep track, he's having a number of affairs with women. He has a decade-long-ish relationship with this woman named Jill Banner. She dies tragically he has a few more children with a number of other women. He already had like five, right? He did, yes. And then he had a few more in the 80s, a few more in the early 90s. Women or children? Children. Children. With other women. He had like a long-term relationship with his housekeeper, and he had three children with her. Oh, that's fucked up. By the end of his life, it's... I don't know how there's not a, like, firm number on this. We're, like, estimating at this point? Right, because some are contested. Oh, jeez. But most people think he had between 15, like, around 15 or 16 children. 16? 16 kids is too many kids. It's a lot of kids. Too many kids. Right. Especially if you're not a very present or involved father. Yeah, especially if you're only admitting to, like, five of them. Yes. By the early 90s, he was in a pretty steep downward spiral. One of the things that a lot of people sort of vamped up for the tabloids was the fact that he gained a ton of weight, which just want to clarify, it's like shitty that anybody's talking about anybody else's body size. It's really not the thing to be known for. I mention that because my only recollection of Marlon Brando being alive and like fully understanding who he was is seeing him on the cover of tabloids. In oh, the like nineties and two thousands, where they're like Marlon Brando fell from stardom, and when people were like this great sex symbol, I was just like him. But when you go back and look, he was a huge sex symbol. Yeah, yes, just yeah, never, never in the popular culture at that time. Nope, he's in this downward spiral. He's gained a bunch of weight. Not really anybody's business, except that it started to affect him professionally. Let's talk about the island of Doctor Moreau. Oh, okay. So we this is now actually when it happens in his career. Yes. There is a scathing article that came out in 2017 
called Marlon Brando Was My Idol, But He Turned Into a Monster. He sabotaged my film. Wait, what? Yes. So this details how Brando showed up on the set of The Island of Dr. Moreau and catapulted this movie into like a burning garbage can. Just fucking destroyed it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The director called it a $40 million train wreck in slow motion. Oh, man. I kind of want to watch this movie now. Oh, you're going to want to watch it. You're going to want to watch it for sure, for sure. So in this article, the playwright Ron Hutchinson says that he was shocked to discover that Brando arrived on set weighing about 500 pounds. Or, no, no, sorry, 300 pounds. Oh, oh I mean, still large. Sorry, but... that, was, that was a misreading. 300 pounds. Okay. And that he, quote, would not recite words written for him. He wanted to improvise it all. And he said they could not get him to come out of his trailer. These studio executives were flying in, like, begging him to come out of the trailer. He apparently only, for, for like, weeks, would only answer the door when food was being delivered. Wait, what is he doing? <laughs> He's just sitting in there? Mm-hmm. Yes. The director said, I think there might have been an existential terror, right? He's, like, at the end of his career. He's gained a bunch of weight. This is already a really bizarre movie, Okay. So in this movie, he plays one of the main characters, and he is set to act alongside the world's smallest person uh, in real life, like the smallest person okay. ever recorded. This person's name is Nelson De La Rosa, and he was just under 28 inches tall. I bring this up because Brando got real fucking weird with him. So what the director said, Brando absolutely fell in love with this guy. He put him on his chest in a hammock and saying frog went according to him over and over. Wait, like 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 you sing to a baby? Yes. What the fuck? Yes. And he said that's wait. And this is not like a scene in the movie. He's just doing this like on, just, hanging out around the set. Yes. And he put like he put on a colander on his head painted his face white with zinc sunscreen and then would just like rock this man and like sing to him and they could just not get him to act. They ended up having to shoot this movie basically one character at a time and then piecemeal it together because Brando would not He just would not get in front of a camera and Mm -mm. read any... Not read lines, would not say anything because he was going to improvise it anyway. Right. And in a ton of... He's in a bunch of movies after that, right? Like he's in Superman. Uh, He only has like like a page worth of dialogue in Superman. He's like Superman's father or something. But he wouldn't even memorize the lines then. So they had to tape the script to the baby that he holds up in the movie to his diaper so Brando could read <laughs> could the hold lines. the baby and read the lines yeah. off the diaper. He was just like insolent. Is that the word? Yeah. yeah. Insolent. Insolent. Not... Not given any fucks, but like the version of him that like didn't give any fucks as a teenager is now like downward spiraling in grief at the end of his career, grappling with his mortality and just lost his fucking marbles. Like, and he's taking other people down with him. Yeah. Like, he, he's like destroying this accounts, movie. he was still totally cogent, like with it. It's not like it's not like he can't put together sentences. He's just like indulging in this bizarre ass behavior. Yes. Um. They talk about how he went from, you know, this this person who was capricious mm-hmm. to, like, walking the fine line of malice. Like, he did these things on purpose because he just thought everything was made up 
ephemeral. None of it mattered. And, like, none of it mattered to him. Yeah. But it definitely mattered to a whole bunch of other people. If it's your, like, dream of making a movie and it's costing $40 million, (laughs) like, it matters to you. (laughs) It matters to you. Um, Unfortunately, he was also experiencing a number of personal tragedies around the same time. So remember his son, Debbie? Yeah. That I mentioned? His son, Debbie, on Marlon's property, property, shot and killed his half-sister. So Debbie's half-sister, Marlon's daughter, oh, Cheyenne, shit. her boyfriend. No, oh, not her. Boyfriend, her boyfriend, still. And Brando, like, tries to perform CPR. Apparently, it was very triggering and traumatic of this, like, cycle of violence. So he had it from his father, and now he's observing it from his son, and he just, like, cannot escape the alcoholism and violence. And he, like... That was a breaking point for him. After that, he befriended Michael Jackson. What? One of his other children became Michael Jackson's bodyguard. So he would just hang out at Neverland. What? For weeks at a time. That's, okay, this is, yeah. I had not placed these two on, like, concurrent timelines. <laughs> but they exist I in the know. same universe at the same time. And oh, my God. And they were very good friends. Um, wow. Yep. So by by the late 90s, he was experiencing lung failure. Michael Jackson bought him this like souped up golf cart so he could ride around Neverland. He would come and stay for a bunch of for like a long time. And um, he was still making movies intermittently around this time. But things were on the, the quick decline by 2004. Wait, wait, you, by the way, you just said he was riding this souped-up golf cart around <laughs> Neverland. You didn't. You actually didn't need to say the part that things were in the quick decline. I feel like that's just like a little bit redundant. Right. There's this other story that apparently he and Michael Jackson were both in New York City on 9/11, and they like took a limo back to Chicago together to escape the city. But again, there's all these like piecemeal like things you never knew about Marlon yeah, Brando stories accounts. that yeah. could be true. You know, um, I don't want to speculate wildly on this podcast with its airtight research. And <laughs> yes, with our um, pristine reputation for accuracy. Right. To be fair, we are accurate. Yeah. We're just not thorough in the entirety of the of a person's life. We're selective. Yeah, we hit the high points and the low points. Anybody who promises you a comprehensive take on somebody's life in an hour is lying to you. Is it lying we're to you? We're just honest enough Hardcore. to be like, we're going to leave some stuff out. Right. Just the, We're just talking about the parts that most people probably wouldn't know. Exactly. Those are the parts that you need to be introduced to. And the b- weird-ass friendship with Michael <laughs> Jackson is definitely one I did not know about. Right. Um, and so this next part is going to tickle you a lot. By the early 2000s, he only had a few movie roles. His last movie role was actually starring in an unreleased animated film, Big Bug World or something like that. His co-star, it like starred Brendan Fraser. So if, if oh, you need man. to like place yourself in the timeline, yeah, Brendan yeah, yeah. Fraser's like making animated movies. Got it. Brando had the role of Mrs. Sauer. This is the first and only time he ever acted as a woman. And according to the director... Brando showed up to record. He had like 15 lines. He's doing voiceover work. Voiceover work. Okay. Shows up in a blonde wig, a oh dress, white gloves, and full makeup. I am fucking tickled. <laughs> you are correct. He was like in it till the end. Oh, man. That recording happened on June 10th, 2004, and he died of lung failure on July 1st of that same year. Thank God we got that roll out of him. 
Right. No, but it's unreleased. <laughs> ah. It's never it's never been released. Now so. I, I'm, now I know. I take it back. I know what my petition for a movie <laughs> needs to be now. Change.org, if you hear yeah, us. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be Book of Mormon. No, no, no. What is this movie called? Big Bug World or something like that. Sounds like a classic. Yeah, it's it's very Kafka-esque. Like, uh, Brendan Fraser wakes up as an enormous bug or something like that. I, I didn't do it. Oh, man, I would love to see the, this. like, metamorphosis for kids. That would be... <laughs> Man, it's yeah. getting better and better. Okay, right. where, where, yeah, where do we start this? So anyway, he's dead now, 2004. Brendan Fraser? Oh, no, 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 Brando. Uh-huh. I was just bringing it back. Phew. Grounding us. Sorry, he's dead. He's dead. Big funeral. A bunch of famous stories about his life come out at the funeral and the eulogies. The most famous one is by Ed Begley Jr., who talks about and do you know about Ed Begley Jr. and the fact that he is um, like off the grid, zero waste, totally like environment guy and has been his whole career and life? Not at all. Is it like he famous for being off the grid guy? Yes. Okay, yes. got it. Anyway, Marlon calls up Ed at one point and is like, "Hey, I have an idea to get off the grid electricity. It's not solar. It's not wind." electric eels i'm gonna fill what? my pool with electric eels we're gonna harness the power of electric eels wait what yes and ed was like i don't i i don't think that will work <laughs> and apparently this is a story that's coming out at his funeral yes he's like this one time marlon was like i'm gonna be an environmental explorer i'm gonna harness the power of electric eels yes uh, yes and apparently he actually got a whole bunch of electric eels wait what right and wait like where do you, you just in I don't know. He's reckless. Pool? Yes, in his pool. Bathtub? And his son's girlfriend, one of his son's girlfriends, actually was electrocuted by the eels, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> like he fell into the pool? Yes. This is all part of the eulogy. Um, and Ed is like, you you can't do that. That doesn't work. And Brando was like, oh, it's always a no with you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a no with science. Yeah, anytime the question is, can we harness the power of electric eels to power the world? It is always a no for me. It is always a no. I need Um, stories like that in my eulogy. I know, just, I mean, it kind of feels like you've missed the boat on the childhood abandonment part, though. Okay, but there's plenty of time for eels still. We'll get get on this. (laughs) Um, So there you go. That is Marlon Brando. As you can see, he was... Not institutionally, like, didn't his terribleness did not change the lives of millions of people, but he was eccentric and absolutely did not great things to a number of individuals. Yeah. Um, in just because he could. Coercive, manipulative, wounded, striking out, unmanageable, and taking other people down with him till the bitter end. Till the bitter end. So anyway, if you want to know more about Marlon Brando, there is a movie called Listen to Me, Marlon. came out in 2017. The only place you can get it is on Showtime. Um, or you can buy it for $10 on... Amazon Prime? On the internet. Like that. On the internet. If um, people want to buy us on the internet, where can they go? Um, well, they could follow us on social media, which would be huge. 
more importantly, they could rate and review us on whatever streaming service they use. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Let folks know. Do we have stickers? Oh my goodness, we have so many stickers. We have holographs, holographic stickers. We have die cut stickers. We have a sticker that says your hero was an asshole. It's great. Whatever you want. DM, DM us a picture of your review, a screenshot of your review, and we will mail you some honest to God snail mail, live, yeah. in person, not internet based stickers. We will load it up. You'll just you'll open it and you your the envelope and you will not believe your eyes. Can't wait. We will be your heroes. We will. Until next time. Don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. Bye. How do you think about it?